I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome to the Barca Bloodgrounders podcast. My name is Josh, and I am joined by a familiar voice, one that you have missed, uh, mi- missed while he was gone. Renato, welcome back. Hey, thank you. Uh, glad to be back. Yeah, we're we're, we're glad to have the uh, the Barca Bloodgrounders pod father back in our presence. Um, there's a lot to talk about. We've uh, we haven't done this in a while, so. Um, Let's just kick it off a little bit, just kind of getting an overview for kind of the the conversation we're going to have about Barcelona. So um, they're in a bit of an interesting time, as some of you may have uh, figured out by now. But basically, so the next four matches for Barcelona, just to kind of set a set the parameters for our discussions about uh, the striker search, Dembele, all that stuff. Um, they play uh, Getafe this weekend, and they have an Ibar match a week later, and then after the Ibar match over the next ten days, they will play Napoli um, for the first first leg of the Champions League, and then they have an El Clasico on March 1st. So um, over the next three weeks, the schedule really um, becomes sort of intense for Barcelona. Um, so the biggest kind of talking point for Barcelona, besides the the messy stuff, which we'll get into later over the last month or so, has been the, the striker search, you know, with Luis Suarez's injury. Even though he is apparently like a little bit ahead of schedule, they still need someone to to kind of, you know, right the ship with for the next couple of months before he's back. And even if he comes back, he's not going to be 100% for, um, for the immediate future. So who do you actually think is the best option? Because at this point, I've lost, I mean, there's probably been 10 plus names that have been linked with Barcelona, but the, um, you know, the few names that we're kind of getting down to are William Jose from Real Sociedad, Angel from Getafe, and then Loren from Betis. Who do you think is the best option? Um, I think uh, apparently, uh, according to the reports, um, William Jose is not coming because um, he's too expensive. And um, Real Sociedad value him a lot, even though he's a reserve at the moment, because Alexander Isaac, for anyone who's watching Real Sociedad, is playing out of his mind right now. He's one of the most fun players in La Liga. Um, and William Jose is his backup right now, but he's been he's, uh, a hero, an idol to the, to the Real Sociedad fans. So it was always tough to see him leaving, and apparently the, the Barca board have just ruled out um, signing him because of um, 
just the price apparently is 30 million euros. Um, and that's just too much to sign someone who will probably be useful for six months uh, anyway, because Luis Suarez is coming back before the end of the season. Uh, Usman Dembele uh, apparently is going to be ready for the preseason um, if his rehab goes well. And we want um, Lautaro Martinez for the summer. So it's really tough to sign a guy for 30 million euros who's not probably not even going to be here uh, in six months. So I think it's a good idea to roll, uh, roll him out, even though I, I think among the four main names, he's the best uh, player. But then you get to Angel from Hetafe, Lauren from Betis, and Lucas Perez from Alaves. Lucas Perez said he doesn't want to go, and the people around him uh, don't want him to go because they know he's not going to play. So I think it's really down to Angel because Lauren's a little bit expensive too. So I don't think it's the best option. Um, it's basically the one that's left, and that's Angel. Um, I like him. He's more of a second striker, um, more of the guy who can play on the wings, but can also play as a striker. He's more of an Antoine Griezmann type, not a Luis Suarez type, but he's a good striker, uh, has nice numbers this season. Um, he's not starting for Hitafe right now just because they have a, a, a really settled um, um, front two. Um but he's always the, the first option coming from the bench if you if they want to change the forwards. So I like him as a player, um, and I think he could be a, a nice option uh, for Barca, just basically because it's just La Liga matches. He can't play in the Champions League, so he knows La Liga. Um, Barca play a lot of the lower teams um, uh, from now until the end of the season, and if Barca progress in the Champions League, you can rest Messi and you can rest Griezmann. And you can bring not a great player, not a very good player, but a competent player, a goal scorer, who can maybe help you um, win some games. Uh, but it, if, if, you're, if you're having to sign a forward outside of the transfer window because the rules in Spain allow you to, that means you're not going to get a lot of good options. So it's basically picking the the less worst one, if that makes sense. And um, that's certainly a hill for me, especially with the price. Apparently it's six to eight million euros, which is pennies, basically. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you mentioned like he's not a great player, maybe not even like a consistently good player. But at this point for Barcelona, you're just hoping for bodies. I mean, with yeah. the injury situation right now, um, there was a report uh, that came out yesterday that Luis covered. But basically that Satine basically told, by the way, is that how you say his name, Satine? Uh, our coach? Yes. Setien. Setien. Okay. I, I stood at the Wikipedia page when he first got hired for a solid five minutes, just like <laughs> trying to make sure I was getting it right. So it's, Setien. It's, it's Kike Setien. Kike but, Setien. You could call him Kike because it's a lot easier and everyone calls him Kike anyway. So Kike. Okay. So apparently. A little bit. 
apparently he told um, a guy who we'll talk about a little bit later, um, Eric Abidal, that the squad he has will not be enough, which is like, yeah, kind of obviously. Um, but I do think it's interesting that it's starting to leak out that like Barcelona are just completely well aware that um, if they don't make, and even if they sign someone like an Angel in this transfer window or um, outside of the transfer window and get a little bit more depth, like they still might not be strong enough to do what they want to do uh, in the Champions League and then La Liga. Um, do you see, do you think the Barcelona squad is strong enough to compete in two tournaments or compete in La Liga and in the Champions League? Um, yes. Um, <laughs> that was the most unsure yes. No, because my only concern is health. Um, yeah. Because I don't think the squad is weak by any means. Um, Luis Suarez is a big miss just because of his chemistry with Messi, but it's not like, um, especially when it comes to the Champions League, he's just not good. Luis Suarez hasn't scored in a, in a meaningful Champions League game probably since the 2015 season when Barca won the Champions League. So it's been five years since he was really effective in the Champions League. But I will give him uh, this. He was Barcelona's best player when he got injured. Um because Messi was starting to kind of hit a little bit of an inconsistent uh, run, and Suarez was just flying. He had 10 straight assists. Barca's last 10 goals, when he got injured, he got he, he either scored or he assisted. So he was involved in 10 straight goals. Yeah, That's insane. And his chemistry and Messi, they know where each other's going to be all the time. They move off each other. Um, they understand each other so well. But I do think if Messi plays with Griezmann like every game from now on, um, they're going to develop some sort of understanding. Um, and I I do think Griezmann is playing well for someone who's adapting to playing with Messi, which is really unique. It's really, really different from anything else in football to play with Messi uh, because he, he finds a spot on the pitch and he, he stays there for the whole game and he tries to, to affect the game from there. So you as a as the other forward, you have to find somewhere else on the pitch that you may not be may not be comfortable with because you've never played there in your career, but that's where you have to be because Messi is gonna take the other spot and then you have to play off of him. So it it takes a while to get that chemistry, that understanding, but I think they will develop uh, that because just because they're really good players and they're really smart. But um, I don't think the squad is weak by any chance. This was the best squad in Europe when it was formed last uh, last summer. When Barca signed Frankie de Jong, that became the best squad in Europe because Barca were missing a midfielder and they signed the best available. And then the rest of the squad is clearly very good. Um, and then it's about coaching. It's about Setien's ability to take those players and put them together in a nice system. I think he's making progress, and I really and I I, I really like some parts of what the team looks like. Uh, but it's going to take time. It's a new coach in January. If you're a Champions League contender, you're not changing your coach in January. Like that's not what happens. So it, things are things are are difficult for that reason. You change coaches, you have injuries, but I still think there's more than enough talent in the squad, especially now without the Copa del Rey. So you can rest for a full week this week, for example, 
Uh, you can rest a full week next week um, uh, because you only have one game at the weekend. There's no midweek game, so you can kind of rest the squad, get everybody as healthy as possible, and then hope that Setien can coach this team well enough to put them in a position to win because I think they are good enough to win. Are you... especially, especially in the Champions League, sorry, uh, because it's so unpredictable. It's a, it's a cup competition. Cup competitions are crazy. For example, Barca win the first leg 3-0 against Liverpool, lose the second leg 4-0. Like, last season's Champions League was the most unpredictable ever. We never saw any of the results coming, any. Not Tottenham Man City, not Tottenham Ajax, not Barca-Liverpool. So you, you just don't know. So I think if, if, if Etienne is able to put the team in a, in a position where they can compete, especially defensively, there's just too much talent in this team to just have it be a lost season. Yeah, I agree. Um, so do you are you worried at all about, so there was a report about a week and a half ago um, about Messi playing through some sort of thigh injury and that the, the strain on the Barcelona squad was leading him to play in matches that he potentially wouldn't have in other scenarios. Does that at all concern you, worry you, or do you just um, brush it off as like a just, you know, a nick, it's a long season and it's being a bit overblown? Um. I don't know if it's overblown. I think I believe the report when I saw it um, because Messi, I think Messi would have taken a couple of weeks off um, if he, if Suarez and Dembele were healthy, for example. Um, like that stretch in January uh, where he had those Copa de Rey matches, he wouldn't have played in any of them. Um, but he did because there was nobody else to play. Um, so... I do think he would have taken those matches off to to kind of avoid any further risk. But now that, especially these two weeks that we have now in front of us, this week and next week, where there's no midweek match, I think it's going to be really big for him. But I also think that he knows how to manage himself in matches. Messi has played through injuries before. Um, the best ability, uh, ability is availability. All right, and that's Messi, Messi's best ability. It's not just he's the greatest player in the world, it's that he never misses a match because he knows how to manage himself even if he doesn't feel 100% and he can still be effective. So um, I think he knows how he knows his body well, and I, I think if he, he finds a way to play to the best of his current abilities, and I think that's what we're going to see to the rest of the season, basically. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, so, okay, moving on to Usman Dembele. Um, we talked about his Barcelona career, I think, on a podcast we did, like, I think about a month and a half ago. Yeah, um, we do it every every three or four podcasts. We talk about Dembele. Yeah, and this time and I think it's a little more serious than, you know, um, yeah. than other times we've talked about it. So just kind of the setting this conversation up, um, there was... 
Usman Dembele's doctor from his 2017 surgery. I'm unsure if he's treating him um, this time around, but he basically just came out and discussed how, um, in terms of severity, this injury was so much more challenging for a recovery than the 2017 injury. Um, it is important to remember Dembele's age, but um, yet another disappointing and disheartening setback um, for Usman Dembele. Is this um, is this just another hint towards his Barcelona career being over? Unfortunately, I think so. Um, and I get really sad whenever I talk about him because I really believed in him when we signed him. I thought, yeah, this is the guy. Like, this, we're going to build the team around him when Messi retires. I really did believe in him. And every time he played, there was one or two plays every single game where you felt that, that you saw the potential and you saw the ability and just the joy that he gave you when he made, made one of those plays. Um, I'll never forget the goal that he scored against Tottenham in the Champions League uh, last season um, when he just ran from before midfield and just stopped when he scored the goal and he left a trail of bodies in the way, which was one of the most exciting goals I remember a Barca player scoring in many, many years, especially because Messi doesn't score those types of goals anymore because he's older. So I, they barely brought that spark, that excitement, those crazy plays that you haven't seen since, since Messi um, at his younger years. So I'm really sad that Osman Dembele just, just hasn't been able to have a consistent career. And I do think whenever he's been on the pitch, he's been mostly good, but he's also been really, really inconsistent. And I think even if he was fully healthy, that would be the concern for a lot of, uh, of fans. But now that he just can't play, it's just tough to see him ever playing for us not even at a high level, ever playing for us at all. I think Barcelona will cut their losses with them. Uh, and I do think it's time to think about options. I don't think Barcelona will be able to sell him this summer. But what if you, what if you loan him to somewhere like Borussia Dortmund? Because Borussia Dortmund will probably lose Jaden Sancho uh, in the summer. And Borussia Dortmund are renowned for their doctors, like they fixed Marco Royce. Nobody thought it was possible. Marco Royce was Usman Dembele seven, eight, uh, not even seven years ago, five years ago, four years ago. Marco Royce could not stay on the pitch. He had hamstring injury after hamstring injury. Borussia Dortmund changed their medical staff and they fixed him. They fixed Marco Royce. He doesn't miss games anymore. He's missing a game now because he had a. Uh, a sprained ankle, but a sprained ankle isn't a hamstring. It's just a sprained ankle that happens to everybody. Um, and that's why Marco Royce is missing games now, but they fixed them. So I believe they can fix Usman Dembele, and he played there. He played really well there. So what if if he spends a season alone uh, replacing Jaden Sancho, and he has an amazing season, and he's healthy for, let's say, 80 90% of the season, because everybody misses games for a reason or another, so you can't expect them to play every game. But what if it plays 90% of the season at a really high level, and then Barca can sell him for a lot for not profit because he was the second most expensive signing in the history of the club, but 
at a good price because right now we're, we'll be lucky to get what 50 million out of him. Um, so maybe if he does have a really great season at a, at a club he feels comfortable with, like Dortmund, for example, um, maybe we could get a, good money for him and try to reinvest that uh, a, lot more, a lot smarter than we did with the Neymar money. Yeah, um, I think that's what you said is probably the best option. Like, you don't want to sell him before he has a chance to show uh, at least some sort of form once again. So selling him this summer, like you said, isn't probably isn't the best option for anyone, um, including Dembele. But the loan option is probably the best um, best thing because I think even if you decided like, hey, we'll bring him, we'll let him play at Barcelona to try to prove himself to um, to kind of show off his skill for a good sell rate. I think you, there's just there's too much of a stigma around him with Barcelona right now. I think I don't think the club believes in him anymore. I don't think I don't think he believes in himself at Barcelona anymore. Um, there's just this weird dynamic between him and the. <laughs> the medical staff going back to that whole misunderstanding a few months ago where he like left um what was it where he like left early to go to like a party or something like that um and i don't know there's just like there's a weird stigma around him and recovering at barcelona because it has happened so often so i th- i think the dortmund thing like you mentioned is a good option or some club that's known for its stability and its medical staff to try to recover some sort of semblance of his old form because he is still so young and um you would hope that there is some sort of future for him at a large football club because he's great to watch. And even if he's going to have peaks and valleys in his career, you would hope that he finds some level of consistency health-wise. Um, who do yeah. you see Barcelona signing? Um, if, if he is to leave, Like, do you see them going out and trying to get a one-for-one replacement? Or do you see them just kind of taking it slower? And this summer is you know, the summer of the striker, right? That's all we're going to hear about is what, who's the Luis Suarez replacement? Like, What do you see them doing if Dembele leaves, if anything at all? Before I answer that, I just want to make one more comment on the injuries. Yeah. You do know the David Beckham story when he went to Milan, right? That David Beckham, when he went to Milan, uh, he cannot stay healthy at all. So Milan, uh, the Milan doctors looked at him and they discovered he had a broken tooth. And that because of that, the broken tooth or teeth, whatever, I don't know if for multiple teeth, but he had a teeth problem and that was causing his injuries. It's a true story. And he, they got it, they got it fixed, and he never got it, got hurt again. That's how I, I crazy that. the body. That's how crazy the body is. I'm not saying Dembele's problems is because of his teeth, but I'm saying it is possible to fix muscle injuries. You just had, you just got to look for it. Yeah, it's like a, another pair doctors. of eyes, another perspective. Yeah, it's got to have good doctors who look uh, who look for it differently, who think differently. Um, like I said, another set of eyes. And Barca's medical staff is going through a lot of uh, scrutiny right now. They may be changed. We don't know. We don't know what Kike Setien is going to do. If he stays next season, does he look for a different training staff and medical staff? We don't know. But I'm saying it is possible to fix Nembele. It's got to look for it. I mean, they fixed David Beckham through his teeth. So it is possible to to fix the injuries. Um, as to who Barca should sign, I think it's pretty clear that it's Neymar. 
uh, to replace Dembele because the the guy that we want to sign to replace Luis Suarez is Lautaro Martinez, which to me is the perfect option. That man is a beast. He's one of the best strikers in the world. And I think he just because he's Argentinian and he plays with Messi on the national team and they have a good understanding from that already, he would just fit perfectly within that system. Um, at Barca, he's a different type of striker. He's a... Um, not different type of striker. He's a Luis Suarez with skills um, because Luis Suarez doesn't have a lot of skills left in this career, unfortunately. But Lautaro has a lot. Plus, he can hold up play, which Barca never had in a striker. Someone you, you can just throw the ball to and, and he can hold up while the rest of the team um, comes closer to him. So that adds another dimension. But if you don't sign Neymar and Lautaro is your only option, Lautaro Martinez can play on the wing too. Uh, not as not as Usman Dembele, Neymar, dribbler, for example, but he can play on the wing and be close to the goal whenever the play um, is closer to goal in a crossing situation, for example. So he can easily play down the wing. Uh, Messi, Suarez, Lautaro, uh, front three is more than capable of playing together. Messi, Griezmann, Lautaro is perfectly perfectly capable of playing together. So. I think the dream is Neymar. The realistic option is Lautaro. But if it's not Neymar, Lautaro is more than good enough to play whatever role you need him to. Wow! So you're you're full in on the Neymar, uh, the Neymar return. I think if he leave, I think he uh, if Barca don't win the Champions League, I'm gonna be honest. If Barca don't win the Champions League, I'm rooting for PSG to win. Because if PSG win the Champions League, Neymar has no reason to stay there. Because he he went there to win the Champions League. Really? See, I, I see it the other way. I see if he wins it, then he's like he's done the thing he wanted to do, and he'll. I don't know. I feel like he's the type exactly. of person. That's why you. That's why he's gonna leave. But when he left, it was the whole like I want to go be messy and build a dynasty. And if he wins one, it's like yeah, I can do that. I can stay he, and build a dynasty. He never said that though. That was people's impression of it. That's fair. I do think he loves Barca to death and he really regrets the decision of leaving Barca in that situation because he got impatient. He thought he was good enough to replace Messi already, but obviously Messi didn't retire and he's not going to retire for a while. So Neymar got a little impatient and thought he could he could win the Champions League somewhere else. And I think he is good enough to win the Champions League somewhere else. And that's why if he does it this season, he has no other reason to stay at PSG. He went there with the mission to win the Champions League for the first time in the history of PSG. If he does it, why does he stay there when it's clear he doesn't want to? And he's going to leave like a hero, which he never was a PSG. When he got there, he never became the hero because the hero was Cavani. And now he's certainly not the hero because he wants to, he wanted to leave in the summer and he has a broken relationship with the fans and is trying to repair that relationship. And if he leads them to a Champions League title, then he finally becomes a hero. Why would he risk losing that again? If he leaves for Barca, PSG fans will understand. Like, he delivered them the Champions League. He doesn't need to do anything. They've got Mbappe. Mbappe is our superstar now. Neymar can leave. He got us the Champions League. We're fine with you. Thank you for what we did. And then Neymar can go back to Barcelona. I, I do see that that way. And... I'm going to be honest, Barca don't win the Champions League. And if it's Barca PSG in the final, obviously I'm rooting for Barca. I'm not 
no, a dumb dumb. But um, if Barca get eliminated before the final in Champions League and PSG get there, especially if it's someone like if it's against like Liverpool or Real Madrid in the final, whatever, I'm rooting for PSG. I'm not gonna lie because I think if PSG win, Neymar is back the next day. Uh, good luck rooting for PSG to make a Champions League final. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I know we beat them six one. I, I know. I, I guess my my hesitancy with Neymar returning is I just I I'm I'm just regretting the next time Jill sends me a link to a Neymar rumor. Like I, I'm so tired of of covering his will he won't he relationship with Barcelona. I just want it to happen or definitively. And I guess it can never definitively not happen because they were like they were the first love, right? Like even if he recommits quote unquote to PSG, it's always going to be like yeah, but like when's he coming back? to Barcelona so I I just hope it happens fast this summer I don't want it to be like an August thing I just just let it happen quick regardless of what happens in the Champions League that's all I ask yeah but I, I do think the easiest way to not have any rumors is for him to win the Champions League that's what I'm saying mm-hmm. if he does win the Champions League there's no rumors he's coming back like he did what he was supposed to do he won the Champions League with PSG and now he goes back to his home which is Barcelona. What a crazy story, right? Like, if that does happen, if Dembele gets loaned out and Neymar comes back, what an absolutely just wild thing to look back on in 10 years. Be like, remember when Barcelona sold Neymar, bought his replacement, his replacement couldn't stay healthy, was the next thing, loaned him out, he's gone, and Neymar comes back. Like, how wild is that? Yeah, that, that and Barca really, really, really screwed up using his money because... We used his money on the Bele and Cochina, and those two will never be oh, Neymar. Man. I mean, just but but think about like how it had to be inside the Barcelona board, right? Like they probably felt embarrassed by Neymar to some perspective, and they wanted to be you know be flashy and sign the the guys that were um, close to being as good as Neymar, and they went over two. How how wild is that? Yeah. They, they just didn't use the money right. They should have been smarter with the money. Uh, um, but I will say, when they signed Dembele, no one was against it. Like, no one criticized Barcelona for signing Usman Dembele. He was the most exciting player on earth in 2017. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted him. Everybody. And Barca signed him. Barca got him. And nobody thought he was never going to play. So yeah. you're right. Um, do you have any other thoughts on Dembele before we uh, before we move on? I truly, I truly hope, I truly hope I'm wrong with his Barca career being over because if if they find a way to fix his injuries, he can still be a superstar for us. I believe that. I always believe that. I'm a fool for believing it because I've believed in it for the last three years. But I'm still going to do it because I still think he's young enough and I think he can switch his play style a little bit because he's not going to be as explosive a player because just because his muscles are are made of whatever they are. But (laughs) if he finds a way to stay healthy and he switches his style to more of like an attacking midfielder, someone who can play more in the middle and, and use his skills on the ball to create chances as more of a midfielder mm-hmm. um, sort of like Neymar is playing at PSG right now Neymar is a midfielder for PSG 
and he doesn't run with the ball like he did at Barca, for example. He doesn't get the ball on the wing and then run past the player with his speed. Neymar doesn't do that because he's older. And he knows it doesn't, if he tries to play the way he did when he was 22, his body's not going to take it. So he's playing smarter, he's playing different, he's creating more, he's scoring less and creating more, and he's one of the best players in the world again. And I think Dembele can kind of have that role, um, if not at Barca, somewhere else. But I just hope he gets healthy because I think there's a, an exceptional player there, whatever he plays. And I hope it's at Barca. Yep. Agree 100%. So before we head out, I did want to get your thoughts because you were out um, when the Messi clash with the Barcelona brass happened. Kind of what were your impressions of it? What did you think about it? And um, and yeah, I I just I want to hear your thoughts. I'm excited. I I'm sorry to do this, but I'm going to call you out. and I'm gonna call you out in, on on behalf of the Barcelona community. Oh, they were pissed. They were pissed because you called Messi's reaction a tantrum, and that was far from a tantrum. So let me let let me say why I, I called know it a it's tantrum. just a word. I know it's just a word you used, but for everybody me, knows what tantrum means. For me, anytime a grown adult complains about their coworkers on social media that is a tantrum like in any other context besides sports okay. someone doing that is like like a fireball offense it and, is annoying it is annoying yeah and so like because it's sports somehow we're supposed to treat it differently than a grown adult complaining about his boss on social media like to me that that is always especially from someone as like respected and well measured as messi who's always treated this like a professional like a professional career path for him just to like veer off and all of a sudden act like some of these 22 year old footballers out there was just like it was super disappointing for me like it it wasn't it it wasn't a tantrum in the context of um like what an actual tantrum is like my kids have tantrums i know what that is it was definitely an over exaggeration of the word but i did lose some respect for him because like if you do that in any other context you're fired and like you look like an idiot and but because he's messy it's like well he had the right to complain about it and it's like well sure maybe but like be professional true but it all depends how you read the because again it wasn't a spoken interview he didn't say on tv so you can Mm -hmm. you can see that's the problem with the written word i love the written word i do it for a living but um you can't judge intent just by reading something so i read messi's words as simply just a statement it wasn't petty. It wasn't angry. It wasn't lashing out at Abidal. He was literally, I, I read those words in Messi's voice, which is boring and monotonous. <laughs> and Messi is just stating facts of what he feels. He's not trying to, um, you know, to, to throw a tantrum. That's not what Messi is. It doesn't do that. And I think it wasn't just Lionel Messi, the superstar. Uh, acting out against his boss, it was the captain of the club protecting his teammates from what a former teammate of his, who happens to be his boss, said about the locker room. And if Abidal had never been a player, I understand his comments, but Abidal having been part of a locker room, not only that, the Barcelona locker room, which is different from any other locker room in sports, 
just because of the amount of talent and ego that is there, mm-hmm. Abidal should have known what those words would mean to the leaders of the locker room because he was on one of them at the time. If Abidal was just a lawyer who happened to be the sporting director of Barcelona because of his relationships with the president, then Messi acting out against them, to me, would seem like a tantrum. Would seem like Messi trying to undermine a guy who's never been a player and doesn't know what he's talking about. But when Messi sees a former player, teammate, and friend of his... uh, say things about the locker room he was once part of that really, really affected Messi. And he responded to that. All of that said, Messi is wrong. Abidal is wrong. Everybody's wrong. This shouldn't gotten out. Yeah, like even if, so like I, I, what you're when saying you about crisis, how Messi felt though a- is like 100% true. Like Messi was clearly hurt. And I guess... It was the first time I saw him do something that felt like a little bit uncontrolled, even though like what he said was a controlled, like in a vacuum, what he said was controlled. You're right. Like it was very like kind of boring, dry and bland, but just saying anything at all besides like we're going to handle that in house felt uncontrolled to me. And that was the first time Messi had done something that felt a little bit uncontrolled. Yeah, but Messi felt like, yeah, if my boss is doing it, then why can't I do it? Yeah, exactly. So, but, but like I said, both of them are wrong. I said, I've said that already on, on something I wrote for Barcelona Dennis. Both of them are wrong. Mm-hmm. If you have a crisis inside the club, it doesn't get out. It's that simple. Yeah. You find a way to solve it. You don't think there was a crisis during the Pep Guardiola era? You don't think he had to deal with things in the locker room? Um, hello, Slatan. Like, <laughs> that stuff happens. You've got to deal with it, but it doesn't get out. It only gets out years later once Slatan writes a book. But when we, when we was there, we heard about it, but Pep never said anything about it, and Zlatan never said anything about it. They dealt with with that internally. And whatever else happened during the Pep Guardiola era, because it wasn't all rosy, Pep's a tough guy to deal with. But everything stayed in-house, and that's the way crises are dealt with. You keep it in-house. You discuss it between yourselves. You'll never get out. Abidal was the first to get it. Messi replied to it. Both of them were wrong. But I do think calling it a tantrum when Messi was simply responding to me, in my opinion, very, very carefully and respectfully is a little bit too much. Although I do understand where you're coming from. I'm just yeah. trying to I'm just trying to cover all the bases here. I do think uh, Messi's response to me was well written and well thought. I do see where you're coming from because of the boss-employee relationship. I get that. But I also think Abidal was wrong to do what he did, and that's what caused this whole thing. 100%. No, you're, you're very right. Both of them were completely wrong. Um, I think both of them were uncontrolled in what they did because I think if you you know, you know ask them both now privately, they both they would both regret what they did. Um, and I think that is the definition of making a mistake. Um, you know, and you know, and you know what's good. Mm. You know what's a good thing. You you didn't hear anything else about it. Yeah, you're right. Barca's president kept Abidal. You didn't hear anything from from Messi. Barca's president didn't talk about it. He just probably sat down with Abidal, then with Messi or both. I don't know. At the same time, but it, they talked it out clearly. 
Abidal is still in his job. We don't know how much power he has left, but he's still in his job. And we haven't heard a thing about it since. It's been a week. There hasn't been any other developments. And that's a good thing. Yep. And that's how he should have been dealt with from the beginning. Yeah. It, it, it just like also, it, it came at the also, worst time, too, just with the managerial changes, the rumors with like Messi's injuries. Like it literally just it could not have come at a worse time. Yeah, it was in the same day that we learned that Dembele was hurt again and that Messi was hurt. And then five hours later, the Messi Abidal things happened. It was the same day on a Tuesday. Brutal. And that was before, and that was two days before the, the, the Copa del Rey game that we lost. So those three days were just horrible and everything just kept piling on. And it was, it, it was just brutal. But I will say, it really, really strikes a nerve with Messi when you talk about Valverde, clearly. Yeah. You can't, Messi really loves Ernesto Valverde. That's that's clear to me. You cannot say a bad word about that coach to Messi. That's the one thing that's clear to me. And that's one criticism a lot of Barcelona fans have for Messi. Messi is not unanimous anymore. Barca fans, a few of them have already turned on Messi and others are starting to kind of see the line in a way that if Ernesto Valverde was as harmful as it was to Barca in the eyes of many, Messi had a part to do with that because he loves the man. Do you, so obviously like this is all speculation. Do you think that's part of the reason why Valverde lasted longer than many of us expected him to? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I, the also the president is really, really concerned with how much profit Barca gets. And as long as Barca are winning La Liga, as Barca as long as Barca winning eight title, that's okay to him because we hey we had a profit of a billion euros in 2019. So who cares? Uh, who cares about what's happening within the first team? That's something the fans care about. That's certainly not something that the president cares about. And the biggest names in the locker room didn't really care that the team wasn't playing very good football under Valverde because they thought that they were winning enough games and that the Liverpool loss in the Champions League was an accident and that the Roma loss was an accident when it was clear to everybody else, including the fans, that was, a, that was just a symptom of the disease, which was the coach. Yep. But because everybody in the locker room, certainly the big, the big guys in the locker room, all loved Valverde because he's a lovely man. He he stuck he stuck around a lot longer than he should have. Yeah, hundred percent right. Well, Renato, it is good to have you back. Do you have any parting thoughts for us before we close out this week's episode? Now nah, I'm just excited to be back. Um, I want everyone to know that I'm going to be around a lot more often. It was a really busy couple months, but hopefully everything's settled now and uh, going to be able to do a lot more these. Yep, it's going to be good. It's going to be good to have you back. Um, all right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Barca Belgranas podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, wherever in all the world you get your podcasts. And be sure to read the great content at barcelblogranas.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.